We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Pearson. It is the offseason for the Chicago Bears as we now have the Super Bowl matchup following the NFC and AFC Championship games, which means we have just one game of football left this year. Um, sad, but, you know, at least we got a football season this year. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, uh, I know you're a little happy watching the Packers lose on Sunday. I was pretty damn happy as well. Yeah, I mean, jeez, man, I was just, I was glad, you know, I did had a few people give me crap because I, I don't know, man, I had a weird feeling about the Bills. I thought the Bills were gonna, you know, ride their magic into the Super Bowl. Obviously, it didn't happen. Um, I honestly thought the Packers looked pretty damn near unstoppable for the majority of the season, and thank God that came to an end. I mean, I guess you could never bet against Brady. Uh, you know, what's funny is I don't think Tampa Bay is really that good. I, I really don't like I. It, and again, I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot here, but I feel like Kansas City's the much better team going into this game, um, you know, with the Super Bowl. But I, just thank God, man. Thank God that we don't have to sit there and, you know, it's like we've already kind of we're dealing with the heartache of, you know, the Bears basically going eight and eight, limping into the playoffs, getting beat in the first round, and then kind of not really knowing what's going to go on this offseason with the presser that happened and everything else. And it's like the last thing I think any Bears fan wants to do right now is watch the Packers in the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's obviously with that loss came some comments from Aaron Rodgers about how his future was uncertain with the team. I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but I'm kind of looking at it like I I would be pretty surprised if Aaron Rodgers isn't back next year. I know he holds some control, but at the same time, I mean, it just – 
Rodgers is an emotional guy. Um, he's kind of a vindictive guy. Um, I, I, I think he, you know, he's been a lot more transparent this year. I think he just basically kind of said what was on his mind and was wrote, riding the emotional train of basically dominating the NFC once again this year and then getting into the playoffs and once again losing in the NFC championship game. I think it was more emotionally driven than actually factually driven or him actually wanting out of Green Bay. I mean, I could be wrong, and I guess we'll see what happens this offseason, but if I had to put money on it, I think Aaron Rodgers is still going to be with the Packers in 2021. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think you know he clarified his comments or tried to kind of walk back his comments uh, while on the Pat McAfee show. Because, I mean, if you read the quote, he did say a lot of guys' futures are uncertain here, including myself. And then, uh, you know, a lot of reporters kind of tweeted that out. And some Packer reporters, which I found was very interesting because when they say something like that, they, they generally mean it. And a couple of them were saying, well, it sure as heck sounds like um, Aaron Rodgers is, is gone or might be on his way out of Green Bay. So that kind of you know, got my ears perked a little bit following that game. And then today, as we record this on Tuesday, he was on the Pat McAfee show and, and, and kind of targeted, you know, Mike Florio, who Mike Florio pretty much wrote the article saying he's gone, he's not coming back, um, you know, in, in kind of that context. And those comments were kind of directed at Florio. So I, I don't know. I think you're right. I think Rodgers was kind of just a lot of emotions going. I mean, your first home game for an NFC championship in your career, um, you lose like that and – you know, you lose in a way where your head coach decided to kick a field goal um, on, on fourth and goal and give the ball back to Tom Brady. And, you know, I just, I, I don't know how you felt. I didn't agree with that call because number one, you have Aaron Rodgers, um, probably the MVP this year and a top two quarterback in the league. And the other side of it, okay, you know, if it's someone else, you know, maybe it's, it's Drew Brees or maybe it's even um, Jared Goff or any of the other playoff teams that were quarterbacks around playoff teams this year, you probably kick the field goal because you're confident you can get the ball back. But I mean, it's Tom Brady. This guy's done this numerous times. And you saw how smart Tom Brady and that Buccaneers offense was on the first play after they got the ball back it was a nine yard completion and he threw it only where the wide receiver would get it. So I, I didn't agree with that call and listening to Rogers, it really didn't sound like he kind of agreed with it either. He, he had that comment of, you know, if I would have known we were going for the field, I might've been able to run it in or call a different play um, something along that context there, but yeah, it was wild. And, and I do agree that I don't think Tampa Bay is a very, is a great team. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I mean, you look at that game against the saints in the divisional round, what Brady throw for, I think it was like, did he, he didn't even break 200 yards. I want to say it was like around 166 or 163. So it'll be an interesting uh, Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I, I just, and again, I mean, it's it sounds stupid because of going to the Super Bowl. I just don't, I don't think, I, I honestly believe the Packers were the best team in the NFC. Um, and I, I mean, and I think we kind of talked about this and then, you know, talked about it on Twitter a little bit. I felt like if they would have, if they would have played New Orleans, I think they're in the Super Bowl right now. I, I think Tampa Bay for whatever reason is just a bad matchup for them. And that's kind of the thing. I know there's been some people go on the radio lately and talk about how, you know, they, they, they make the argument for the bears that, well, they beat Tampa Bay. They beat the team going to the Super Bowl. So that should show that they're on the right track. And it's like, okay, but the, you know, it's one of those situations where you can really look at it and say, okay. I think Green Bay is the better of the two teams between them and Tampa Bay. You know, obviously Tampa Bay beat them twice, so I guess that would say otherwise. But at the same time, I think sports as a whole comes down to being matchup driven, right? I mean, that's just always kind of the way it's been. And I, I think you can kind of make the same argument. It's like if, you, if you're going to say 
that, you know, Tampa Bay is better than the Packers because they beat him or whatever. If you're going to say that the Bears are on the right track because they beat Tampa Bay, who's now in the Super Bowl, then on the other side of the token, then what does that say about teams like the Browns who won a playoff game and they lost to uh, the Jets? You know, what does that say about the Rams who, um, you know, got in the playoffs and won a game? And, you know, loss of the Jets as well. I mean, the Jets were a two-win team. So does that make the Jets a better team than both of them? It, it's just kind of one of those things, again, what it comes down to is it's matchup-driven. And thank God for the Bears and Bears fans that obviously the Packers aren't in it. And that was pretty much the only team, I think, in the NFC that would have beat them. Uh, you know, it's just, I don't know, man, the NFL is weird. And I think this year, especially with the pandemic and the way everything's happened with quarantines and I mean, you just see all sorts of crazy stuff go on. I mean, you know, I, I point out that, that that Browns and Jets game, and it's like, but you look at the the Browns and, you know, they scored, I think it was, what, 16 points on offense that entire game, but then you actually look at it and you realize, okay, well, Jarvis Landry was out. They had basically their four top receivers were out. You know, it's just been one of those years where – there hasn't been a lot of overly consistent play from a week to week basis. And obviously things have really leveled out in the playoffs with, you know, COVID testing and stuff like that, but it's just been a very interesting year. But I think what we saw this last weekend was, you know, the chiefs barely beat the Browns, but they only barely beat the Browns because Patrick Mahomes basically didn't play the second half of the game. But then you look at what they were able to do to the bills and I mean, it's really hard to it's really hard to see at least you know going into this game how the Chiefs aren't you know the favorite and how they're not a far and away better team. But the one thing that did kind of stand out to me, and this is something that us as Bears fans have seen plenty of over the years, you know, Matt Nagy talking about BU this and BU that, and how he wants to be aggressive. And we've seen Matt Nagy have a tendency to kind of turtle up in big situations and in key situations. And I think we kind of saw the same thing in both games where obviously you pointed out with, with the situation in green Bay towards the end of the game where, you know, they had a third goal situation and, you know, the, the play call probably would have been different if, if Aaron Rodgers would have known that they were kicking the field goal on fourth down, you know, you kick a field goal in an eight point game when you know that Tampa Bay is basically got to get a first down and the game's over with. And, and you know, what's funny about that situation is Tampa Bay actually botched um, two different, uh, two different uh, plays on that drive to, to win the game. I mean, the first one was with, uh, you know, the, the kickoff return where the guy just basically, slide. yeah, he just slid with yeah. two seconds before the first half or before the two minute warning, which gave him essentially an extra timeout. And then you look at the one situation it was actually really smart on green base part where Damon Harrison lined up over the line of scrimmage over the center and got a, you know, ended up getting an offside penalty. Um, and basically what it did was it gave Tampa Bay a first down and it kept the clock stopped. So again, they saved another timeout because in a situation like that, in a second down in one situation or two or whatever it was, you know, just saying here, if you really look at it, it's like, okay, so I think Green Bay was already down to two timeouts at that point, right? So if you don't take the first down and you keep it a second goal situation, then all of a sudden, let's just say you get the first down on the next play, you make Green Bay use that extra timeout. But by basically resetting the down count, they had to go in a situation where they once again had to get another first down to be able to win the game. Obviously, everything ended up working out because Kevin King, who had an awful game, ended up basically you know ending the game with a pass interference call or holding call, whatever it ended up being. I mean, it was holding. I understand both sides of you know the equation, but let's just be real here. And you know this maybe this is uh, you know a little homerism popping through here, but 
Green Bay gets away with God knows how many calls on a weekly basis. I'm not going to feel sorry for them when Kevin King was clearly ripping off the jersey of the receiver. I'm not going to feel bad for Green Bay in a, in a game where they really didn't call many penalties. I don't even think there was any penalties called going in the fourth quarter. But either way, you know, you, you look at both teams and you look at the losing teams in that situation. And Buffalo was the same way where they had two different opportunities where they were down inside the 10 yard line and they settle for field goals. And you simply in, in this in this, you know, this far in, you cannot do that. You cannot do that, especially against an offense like Kansas City. You can't do it. And it just kind of blows my mind that it's like, you know, for as much crap as we can give Nagy, and Nagy's had his fair share of issues, um, you know, coaching, and there's there's some definitely some questionable aspects there. It's interesting to see that even teams that have got as far as a championship round in the playoffs – you still have coaches making the same conservative decisions. And as we've seen, conservative decisions just don't win the game. I mean, we, we saw it with Tampa Bay in the going in, uh, you know, late in the first half with that Scotty Miller touchdown where they could have very easily have punted that ball. And all of a sudden that's a completely different game. And who knows green Bay probably comes, you know, comes back and wins that game, but because they stayed aggressive, because they went for it on fourth down, because they did what they did and got aggressive with that throw, all of a sudden it was a huge swing in that game. They went up 11 points into the half instead of three into the half. I mean, that was huge. And again, aggressive coaching pays off. And this is just a very different game, especially when you talk about how much of a passing league this is. And again, really my overall point is it's just interesting to see uh, even teams getting as far as they did in the playoffs, how conservative and in my mind, how afraid some of these coaches are coaching in such big games and big situations. It's good to know it's not just the Bears. Yeah, you're right on that point too, because I just felt like kind of like Matt LaFleur was coaching to give himself a shot there. But if you go for the touchdown and you get it, I mean, what's the worst considering? They're kind of pinned back. You still have to stop them no matter what. So yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't like the call that LaFleur to kick the field goal. Um, on the point of the Buccaneers and you know the Bears beating them earlier in the season, we also have to remember that was a Buccaneers team that was really struggling. They committed, I'll say like nine or 10 penalties in that game. They had a couple turnovers. They just were not in sync. They were not, you know, the team that was clicking, um, you know, ironically, they started clicking in week five when they beat the Packers at home that next week after the bears game. So, I mean, if you go back and look at that game, you could just tell in, in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady was screaming at his teammates. He was frustrated in sidelines. That was a team that was st- just starting to gel and get it together because, you know, after that game, they were two and two, they lost to the saints in week one. Um, they had a couple wins there in week two and week three, lose the bears. They were two and two and they kind of, you know, found their groove. So I agree with you, man. I, I think, you know, that was a totally different, uh, Buccaneers team and I don't think the Bears or fans should base anything on beating them in, in week four because that was, that was also a different Bears team as well so enough of the uh, Super Bowl talk we'll get more into that next week and everything like that let's talk some Bears though before we do that let's hit our first break of the show the old west is an iconic period of American history I'm Chris Wimmer join me on the legends of the old west podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers Outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. 
And while the NFC and the AFC have the representative for the Super Bowl, there was a little bit of some Bears news over the past week or two here. Um, Aaron, let's start with a position that you and I have talked about all last offseason. We've talked about all throughout the regular season, and it'll be another hot topic coming up here, the quarterback position. The most recent news, obviously, you know, the free agency and everything hasn't started yet, but Jay Glazer of Fox Sports kind of reporting that the Bears are going to be big players when it comes to finding their new quarterback. And for me, this goes back to Ryan Pace during the press conference saying, you know, everything's on the table to find a quarterback. And, you know, I've seen some different interpretations on that, you know, maybe they'll trade up in the draft and get a rookie that they like. Maybe they'll go all in on a, on a veteran, or maybe they'll trade for one of these quarterbacks that's going to be available. You know, a Deshaun Watson, um, Matthew Stafford, although I don't think the Lions are going to trade inside their own division. And it's kind of, you know, it's interesting, but also at the same time what Glazer was reporting is, for me, it, it's kind of obvious because Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are going into a year where their jobs pretty much are not safe after next season they have to do something to show the McCaskey family that they can turn this thing around and to do that obviously priority number one is the quarterback position it is and so you know it's one of those things one it's it's good to hear that the Bears aren't going to go in with some half-measured approach like they clearly did this last offseason that's that's nice uh the other thing to kind of the takeaway, the main takeaway I had from what Glazer said is this Trubisky's not coming back. I, I think we pretty much knew that, but I think that the door's always kind of been left open. I mean, you know, even going back to the presser where it was like, you know, you talk about Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they said, you know, and even, even George McCaskey and Ted Phillips, we need more from the quarterback position. That was basically their message. But then at the same time, Ryan Pace kind of caught himself a little bit, but he basically said something like, don't count Trubisky out yet, blah, 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 whatever. I, I think, you know, when you're talking being big players in the market, you're not talking about re-signing your disappointing number two overall pick. I mean, that's just where it is. Now, to kind of, at least in my mind, take a little bit more of a realistic approach on this. So, you know, you, you have a situation right now where, you know, and the other thing that Jay Glazer said that I think is worth noting too, is he said, there's going to be a few veterans available that you wouldn't think would be available. Now, I think for the general football fan, that may hold true. I think for people who may not follow the NFL as closely, or, you know, or maybe just more casual fans. Like if somebody like a Matt Ryan or a Jimmy Garoppolo pops up available in a trade situation or whatever it may be, that may surprise some people. But I think for, you know, most people who probably listen to this podcast um, and, and most people who seriously follow football, I don't know that there's going to be any real surprises because who could there really be as far as surprises? I mean, we pretty much have realized that the Eagles have done everything in their power to make sure that they give Carson Wentz one more chance. That meant basically pushing their Super Bowl winning head coach out the door and bringing in an offensive coordinator with very minimal experience as their new head coach. So I think at this point we can probably rule out um, Carson Wentz. Maybe, maybe, um, you know, maybe they want to trade Jalen Hurts. Um, uh, you know, again, though, that's not really a proven option, but I think, you know, obviously there's going to be some, there's going to be some guys out there. I mean, you know, earlier this week, it was basically announced that Matt Stafford and the Lions have agreed to part ways and, you know, and, and, and part of parting ways is basically they're going to trade him. And I think a, you know, a good barometer in terms of what to expect is probably something like the Carson uh, Palmer deal, 
um, when he went from Cincinnati to Oakland. I think that's that's probably a pretty good idea of what what the uh, you know what the Lions are going to get. I know a lot of people are kind of looking at this situation and saying, okay, well, the Lions are rebuilding. I don't think that's the case. I, I, I think when you look at, and granted, I know some people are going to bring up John Fox, and maybe that is the case, but uh, I think when you look at the coaching hires that they've made, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Dan Campbell, but I do think some of their assistant head, co- the assistant coaches that they've hired, some of their coordinators and stuff have actually been pretty damn impressive. I mean, they've taken two guys out from under the nose of the Bears with Aaron Glenn as a defensive coordinator and then with Deuce Staley as a running back coach and uh, basically assistant head coach. I mean, those are two guys that the Bears were also targeting as well. So I don't think that the Lions are going to go on a full-on rebuild. I think they're going to retool. I think it's in a situation where you've got, you know, an aging quarterback who's still young enough to make a good impact over the next, I'd say, three, four, maybe five years if you're lucky in Matt Stafford. But at the same time, they're kind of wanting to hit the reset button at certain positions and kind of get things figured out. Um, but I think when you're, when you're looking at it, I don't think the Bears are going to be a player in that. And I think the reason that the Bears are not going to be a player in that is because the Lions are in the NFC North. I don't think that they're going to, in good conscience, even if they're going through a rebuild, I don't think they're going to make a a team better in their own division to help themselves out to trade up for a quarterback. I just don't think that's what they're going to do. So I don't think Matt Stafford is going to be a real option, which is a shame because as many people know, I have been a big fan of Matt Stafford for quite a while. I think Matt Stafford has elite talent. I think obviously he's never had elite production. I think, you know, there's definitely been some stat padding in there over the years, but I think a lot of his failures per se, in terms of win loss record have been solely placed around the fact that he's just not have very many good teams around him. And, you know, that's just kind of the situation. I really like Matt Stafford. I don't think he's gonna be an option for the bears. I think the most obvious situation for the bears right now is Deshaun Watson. And obviously Deshaun Watson is going to have a situation where he's going to be able to kind of control to a certain extent where he goes to, because he has a no trade clause. I think, you know, everything that's come out, regardless of if they hire Eric the or if they hire another coach, whoever it is, that's not going to change his situation. He wants out, he's going to be traded. Okay. So the problem is, is there's going to be a lot of teams in on Deshaun Watson. And when you look at what the bears can offer, I don't know that they can offer an attractive enough package with the Texans for it to be super realistic. I think it is realistic because I think that they're one of those teams that, you know, they, they can make it, they can make it work. I mean, cap space is going to be an issue regardless. They can make it work. Ryan Pace has been a master of kicking the can down the road in terms of cap space. But I think when you look at overall compensation and what the bears are going to have to give up, I mean, you're talking probably three first round picks and maybe even like a third round pick. I mean, it basically could be a Mac deal with an extra first round pick on it. Maybe the bears get, you know, a second or third round pick back who knows. Um, but again, when you look at some of these other teams that could possibly be in the running for them, I mean, Miami, for example, where they could trade away to a, to, you know, kind of help soften that blow a little bit. They have higher pick um, because of the, uh, you know, some of the other deals that they made actually with Houston before they have the Houston's pick, which I think is top three, top three or top five, either way. Um, there's, there's just, there's other teams that can offer more than the bears. Obviously Watson has some control in the situation. Lewis Riddick has come out and said that, you know, Matt Nagy is basically all in on Deshaun Watson. It's not the exact words, but basically something along those lines. But I think, I don't know, this is just my, again, I'm not trying to pour water on anything here. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be realistic. I think the more realistic scenarios in which the Bears are going to acquire quarterback, I think is one going to come via trade. Maybe a Matt Ryan deal could make some sense. I'm not really, I'm still kind of, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I think there are two targets that make the most sense to me. 
Not that I'm a huge fan of one of them, but I think there's two targets that make a ton of sense and it kind of gives them enough flexibility to maybe make some other moves and improve the quarterback situation enough to have a competent offense. One of those would be uh, Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr still makes a lot of sense. I was beating that drum last year. I still think he makes a lot of sense. I know that, uh, you know, Oakland likes Mariota. Maybe they decide to finally pull the Band-Aid off. I don't know. I mean, that's, again, this is just purely speculation on my part. I think Derek Carr makes sense. And I think the other guy that makes a lot of sense is Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's the guy I'm not a fan of because I think Jimmy Garoppolo at his very best is a league average quarterback. And I mean, at his very, very best, he's a league average quarterback, but his biggest issue is durability. So, again, though, when, when you're looking at the Bears quarterback situation, it's fine to be big players in the market. But the issue is, is having enough resources to be able to do that. It's not simply something as, you know, it's not like Deshaun Watson's a free agent and the Bears love him and he loves the Bears and this is going to happen. It's not, you know, it's not one of those situations. There's a lot of other factors that go into this when you talk about trading for a quarterback. And again, then you have to look at the scenario of if you throw away, not throw away, but if you trade away three first round picks for a guy like Deshaun Watson and, you know, you, you take on that cap hit, then again, you start looking at it. How are you going to be able to afford to, you know, let's just say tag Allen Robinson or extend Allen Robinson. How are you going to be able to afford to fix this offensive line? There, there's multiple things. How are you going to be able to afford to make the tight end room better? You know, have better depth at receiver. There's, you know, even some of the, the positions on defense. I mean, the bears are going to have to make some tough decisions this year, but I guess my bigger thing here is, is the bears don't have a ton of resources. They don't have the most attractive package in order to make a deal for a guy like Watson, which is why ultimately I think that they're going to have some of these top options, but I think that really when it comes down to it, I think it's going to be somebody more in the line of, and I think Derek Carr would be awesome for this team. I think, Think he's the more unlikely of the two but I do think between him Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo I think that's more of the tier that the Bears are going to end up being able to actually play in and make some sense and be able to improve the team around them and hopefully have enough of a shot on offense and their defense be good enough to where maybe they can go nine and you know nine and seven ten and six and then figure out quarterback the year after that as far as long term goes yeah I think you're right and you know it's kind of a shame because you're going to go into an offseason where you have Deshaun Watson likely available. Um, Dak Prescott could be likely available, depending on what he does with the Cowboys. There's going to be options. Matthew Stafford, maybe Matt Ryan. There's going to be good options for the Bears. And realistically, they're just not going to be players. I mean, obviously, you'd want Deshaun Watson. You'd want Dak Prescott. I just don't think the Bears are going to be in contention for them for the big reasons that you said. There's other teams that can offer more in terms of draft capital and maybe a quarterback right away for me you know that makes sense that that, that's the new york jets that the miami dolphins if you can get Tua in a deal plus a couple first round picks that's almost like a no-brainer for the um, houston texans problem is deshaun watson is pretty much going to dictate where he goes um and you know why would he want to come to chicago anyway i just it's it's just not realistic for me in my eyes. I would love to have Deshaun Watson here. I think you would too. I think a majority of the Bears fans would. It's just, it's really not going to happen. With Dak Prescott, he's going to demand a lot of money. The Bears are in a tough spot with salary cap, so that's probably not going to happen either. For me, I'm with you on Derek Carr. I think he's probably the best option. I want to stay very far away from Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I just don't think he's a very good quarterback. And I thought, and I think we saw that in the Super Bowl. He had a really good run game. He had a really damn good defense. But when it came time for, you know, him to make a play late in that game, he overshot a touchdown, which could have won them the Super Bowl. So I, I really don't want Garoppolo. 
I would love Stafford. It's just not realistic because I don't think the Lions are, are going to trade in the division like we both said. I think when listening to Jay Glazer say that and kind of putting the pieces together with Ryan Pace's comments at the press conference, for me, this screams the Bears are either going to be in on a veteran quarterback like we've talked about, or they're going to mortgage the future and kind of trade up in the first round and get one of their guys. Now, you look at this draft, Trevor Lawrence, he's going number one. Justin Fields is probably a top five pick. Um, the interesting one for me is Zach Wilson out of BYU. I just, the thing is with him, his stock has kind of gone all over the place. And I know a lot of people are high on him. I'm high on him as well. You see him in mocks right now where he's number two going to the Jets. Or you see him in mocks where he's he's actually falling out of the top five. I think he'd be the guy to keep an eye on. And I think Trey Lance out of, out of uh, North, is it North Dakota, North Dakota State, um, those two be the, the ones for the Bears to trade up. I would not recommend trading up for Mac Jones. I would not recommend trading up for Kyle Trask. Um, if you're going to trade up in the first round in mortgage the future, I would ha- it would have to be for me, Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. The other thing to consider is, you know, they could go the veteran route and also draft a guy in the second round because they do need at least one offensive tackle. Realistically, you need two franchise tackles there and you need one for your blind side. I don't know if the Bears are going to move on from Charles Leno Jr. right away. I do think, though, we could see a scenario where they take an offensive tackle in the first round. Maybe they take a a tight end. Maybe Kylo Pitts um, falls to 20, and the Bears will say, hey, look, this is a guy. He plays a different position than Cole Komet. This could be a game changer for us in our offense. We'll take him. Uh, Maybe Devonta Smith falls to number 20. You take him. But I do think there's a scenario where you go offensive tackle and then maybe you go Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, um, Jamie Newman, Kellen Mond later on in the draft on day two. For me, I'm with you though, Aaron. I think Derek Carr would make the most sense. And then if not that trading in the first round, I would go Trey Lance or um, Zach Wilson. And that's kind of the tough thing, right? Is, I mean, we're talking and I didn't even touch on the draft. I'm glad you did. I mean, it's just one of those things though. It's so tough to not see how all four of these top quarterbacks go in the top 10. I mean, we could, we could easily, and I mean, very easily see a situation where three of these guys go in the top five. And the thing with Lance is Lance Trey Lance has unbelievable talent. I mean, he's got unbelievable upside, but again, you're talking about essentially a one-year starter at a very small, at least in my opinion, small school when you're talking, you know, you know, competition and stuff like that. And you're talking about a guy that needs a lot of refinement. I think you're, you're almost kind of looking at a situation in terms of refinement where you're kind of looking at a Patrick Mahomes situation with not as much upside um, and just as scary as a floor to me. And I know a lot of people are going to look at that and say, well, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback and, you know, in the right now in the NFL, I agree but I, I think a lot of that came down to his situation and the fact that he was able to sit. So I, you know, and again, I mean, maybe, maybe it makes sense to sign somebody like a Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year and, you know, go that route with, uh, you know, with somebody like Trey Lance. And you pointed out uh, Newman's another one where, you know, he didn't even play this year and he's kind of another guy. He's kind of a wild card, but man, he's got a lot of upside too. But again, there's those low floor situations. And, and that's kind of the thing where I'm looking at it from, you know, from a draft perspective is, do, do we really want to see another situation where, you know, we're going to have a complete, we could see a complete house change or house cleaning with not only, not only just the head coach and the coaching staff this time, but we're talking the GM and everything within the front office 
um, you know, at one year after basically mortgaging everything to trade up and get a quarterback, because that is a situation that the Bears face if they want to go the draft route is they're going to have to trade up. They pick number 20th overall. I mean, there's just no, there, there's, that is set in stone. The fact is, like I said, maybe Trey Lance leaks out and he goes, you know, 12, 11 or 12 overall. And maybe, maybe that makes a lot, but that's a lot. I mean, we're talking, that's a lot to bank on when you're talking about an entire off season and the entire off season hinges on you being able to get up and get a quarterback. Um, and, and you're basically going to wait out all of free agency and all the trade options and all the different things that you have and say, well, worst case, you know, if we miss out on these quarterbacks and we'll just reach on somebody else and we'll go with Nick Foles. I mean, that's, that's kind of where, to me, I just, unless they've got a really solid plan and they're really confident, I just don't know how, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see how the bears are going to be able to trade up. And again, that kind of brings up another situation. And again, there's not as much control on either side, but you know, let me ask you this. So if I told you that the bears could trade away, let's just say um, two first round picks and two second round picks to take the, let's just say the third, third quarterback on the board and the draft, or they could trade away three first round picks and get Deshaun Watson. What's your choice? I'm taking Watson. And that's kind of where I'm at too. And that, but that's kind of the situation where if we're talking extreme extremes here, those are probably, you're talking about two big swings. Those are probably the two swings you're talking about making right there. I mean, that's just the reality of the quarterback situation. That's a really bad position for the bears to be in, especially considering their lack of resources. Cause like you pointed out, I think Bobby Massey's gone. I think we saw the last of Bobby Massey. I don't think they're going to replace both both tackles in one year, and I, not a lot of teams can do that, and I'm completely fine with that. But again, like we've talked about, what, what's going to happen with Allen Robinson? I think Anthony Miller's played his last snap with the Bears. I think Javon Wims has played his last snap with the Bears. So all of a sudden you got Darnell Mooney and who? I mean, again, you're, you're looking at a situation where there are so many – holes and questions on this offense that go beyond quarterback obviously quarterback is the first thing you have to fix but then what then then what do you do with Allen robinson then what do you do to make the receiver room better then what do you do to make the offensive line better where they need multiple positions of help i mean regardless of what you do on the interior you still got two weak spots at tackle it's just a situation where i think you need to make two improvements on the offensive line you need to obviously figure out what you're going to do whether that's a guy like kenny galladay chris godwin uh, juju smith schuster or alan robinson it doesn't matter i mean there's so many things that are going to have to go right for the for the bears this offseason and quarterback, which may be the biggest part of the equation, is not even close to being the only equation. And again, we haven't even hit on the defense side of the ball where they're going to have to make some tough choices there too. And they need a hell of a lot more than they've got. And, you know, maybe some of that comes down to coordinator. You know, that was another move that they made that we'll talk about. But again, there's just so many questions with the Bears right now. And there's not, it's not like this is a, a team rebuilding with, you know, 70, $80 million in cap space and, you know, some high draft picks. I mean, the bears are, the bears are in a very interesting situation and it's going to take a magical off season from Ryan Pace to really be able to make a dent and have a bright, brighter future moving forward. In my opinion. The thing is with this whole situation, we have to remember Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are going into a year where they have to win now. I mean, this is pretty much it. The, the McCaskey family didn't say it in the press conference and, you know, they said they were confident in them. But, I mean, you and I know, the rest of the fans know, everyone that covers the team knows, this is it. If they do not win this year and show improvement, they're done. And I take that into consideration, the fact that Ryan Pace could get very, very 
desperate this offseason. He has, I mean, let's be real. He has a very tough offseason ahead of him. And a lot of it is his fault because he's moved money down the line. He's given out these big contracts. And eventually you're going to have to pay them down. And they're going to have very limited cap space. Now, he did not predict or project that there would be a pandemic in the middle of this. Um, that's not his fault. That's going to impact the salary cap a little bit. We don't know the full number, but we can't, you know, you and I can't sit here and say it's going to go up drastically. It's just, it's just not true. So for him, he's got a very tough offseason in terms of salary cap where he's got to find a way to bring in some players because I, I don't know the official number. I think it hovers anywhere like 28 to 33 players are actually signed of the active roster right now, um, not including really the practice squad guys. So he's got to find a way to, number one, get some guys back with the salary cap. Number two, find some bargain bin free agents out there, which he's pretty much done for most of his Bears career. He's gone out and gotten some big free agents early on, but he's also kind of hit on some later on as type, as type of bargain bins. I mean, you look at guys like Mario Edwards, who, who were found late, um, who's brought in, you know, other guys down, uh, in previous years that have come in and made an impact uh, I believe in Akeem Hicks, even, I, I don't really believe he was a day one or two signing. Um, and, and that for me with this tough off season, you know, you brought up Anthony Miller. I do think there's a chance to move on from him. I also think there's a chance he stays because they might have to keep him in terms of his salary. He's still on a rookie deal. So deal. So his salary is really cheap next year. And if you do lose Allen Robinson, you know, you're probably going to move on from Javon Wims. That's going to leave you Darnell Mooney. That's going to leave you um, Riley Ridley. And as of now, Anthony Miller, they might actually be forced to keep him because Ryan Payson might not want to have to go out and sign two or three wide receivers or draft another one. It's just, it's tough, man. And I think we could see a scenario where Ryan Pace gets desperate and, you know, he has to either, if he swings on a, on a, on a free agent quarterback or a trade for a quarterback, he might have to trade up and get, a quarterback to show the McCaskies, Hey, look, we got a guy, um, whether it's, you know, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, um, even if they get into the top five and maybe somehow land Justin Fields, we got a guy we could build our franchise around. He'd have to sell that to the McCaskies hard. Now I, I think you'd agree with me on this though. We shouldn't even be in this situation. If Ryan Pace made the right evaluation on the quarterback back in 2017. And it's not, you you can fault him for, okay, maybe he got the wrong guy and it's Mitchell Trubisky. The bottom line is he did not do his homework on Deshaun Watson in the first place. And that should be the biggest headline and the most infuriating thing for Bears fans is that, okay, you know, you missed on Mahomes. Not a lot of teams saw Mahomes, but he, in a year you needed a quarterback, he didn't do his homework on Deshaun Watson. Well, that's where this whole collaboration it, thing just brutal, man. It's, 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 it's laughable. Like, I mean, there's been multiple reports that have talked about how basically Ryan Pace didn't tell John Fox, his head coach at the time that they're going to go with Trubisky. It's just, and that's the thing. And that's, it goes back again. It goes back to trust. Maybe, maybe it is full on collaboration. Maybe, you know, Matt Nagy actually has a bigger hand in, you know, evaluating the, the quarterback than, than Ryan Pace's. I don't know, but it's just, man. It, yeah. And it's, it's tough because, you know, it's one of those things. Here's the thing. And here's my mindset on it. Okay. You know, every, every GM, good GMs miss on quarterbacks all the time. You know, that is what it is. My bigger issue with it is that 
not only did Ryan Pace miss, but when you look at what else he's done at the quarterback position and the resources that he spent, now people can argue all they want and say, well, you know, you don't want to use mid-round quarterback, you know, mid-round picks on quarterbacks because they rarely work out. That is true. The thing is, is getting a quarterback in general hardly works out, which is why you have to take so many swings. Ryan Pace came into the, into house hall, into this building, into this organization, talking about how every year he would like to take a quarterback in the draft. He's drafted one quarterback in six years that he's been here. I mean that, that alone. And then you look at what that's, he's that's done. terrible. It's terrible. And that's the thing is, but you look at the money and the resources that he spent. It's not like he hasn't tried and people can say, well, that's not, it's not counted as a swing, you know, with, with Mike Glenn and guaranteeing Mike Glenn at $18 million. It's not considered a swing, you know, with uh, guaranteeing uh, Nick Foles uh, $21 million, you know, it's like, okay. But at the same time, I mean, it, it is, it is that because they're wasted resources. You basically paid Mike Glennon $18 million a year or for that year guaranteed to start four games for you. You guaranteed Nick Foles $21 million a year to basically be one of the highest paid backup quarterbacks in the league for a guy that's just not that good. And that started, what was it? Four or five games. I can't even remember how many games it was. And he looked like crap. So, you know, it's spare me. Spare me this whole thing about giving Ryan Pace the ultimate, you know, ticket out and the fact that, you know, he's he's tried and he, or he hasn't taken any shot. That is the point of this entire thing. He came into this organization knowing that he had to move on from Jay Cutler. He came into this organization knowing that quarterback has been an issue with this organization, you know, with, with this team. He came into this 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 organization knowing that he was going to have to get the quarterback position right. And regardless of how you cut it, he's made the wrong decisions and he's put the wrong value at multiple positions. And that's, that's, that is the bigger issue to me. If you look at the swings he's taken at tight end, if you look at the the lack of swings that he's taken at offensive tackle, you know, it's like people point, Oh, well, you know, he, he drafted James Daniel and Cody white here in the second round. That's, that's great. But what has he done? What has he done at offensive tackle outside of signing Bobby Massey and outside of extending Charles Linder? He hasn't done anything really, to make the tackles, um, you know, any better. He hasn't done, you know, he, he's taken multiple swings at tight end, but he hasn't done hardly anything to make tight end better. I mean, you can, you can go through and you can look at the different areas in which he's misevaluated talent. And again, like you pointed out, I think the bigger egregious thing that Ryan Pace did outside of just missing on Trubisky, it happens. It is what it is. There, there's been multiple misses over the years. I mean, just look at the, what was it? The 2018 class when Baker Mayfield went number one overall. And then you, and then you look at some of these other guys. I mean, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Rosen was another guy that, I mean, these guys were all taken high and you look at the two quarterbacks that are actually really succeeding. Don't get me wrong. Baker Mayfield has definitely turned around. Baker Mayfield is, is turned into a pretty good quarterback. And trust me, I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan, but when you really look at the two quarterbacks who have done the most in that draft class, it was the guys that were taken fourth and fifth, which was Josh Allen. And that was Lamar Jackson. Those, and that's the thing. So that's my point is everybody misses a quarterback. Everybody misevaluates the quarterback position. If, if, if it was an easier position to hit on a lot more guys would have jobs and quarterback probably wouldn't be as important because everybody would know and be able to identify quarterback talent. The, the thing is, like you pointed out, one is they didn't even 
didn't even give Deshaun Watson the time of day. I mean, don't get me wrong. Deshaun Watson was a very hard evaluation. I put a lot of time into that quarterback class, the 2017 quarterback class. Uh, Deshaun Watson was a very hard evaluation. I, I will go to my grave believing that that quarterback class would have been rated a hell of a lot higher because, and people may have forgotten the narrative, but a lot of people said that was a terrible quarterback class. Oh, there's going to be no good starters are going to come out of this. You might as well wait until next year. That was a narrative. And I truly believe truly believe that if if the enlightenment essentially of black quarterbacks would have been a little earlier on or if those if uh, Mahomes and Watson were white quarterbacks tall big white quarterbacks with big arms I think that quarterback class would have been viewed very differently with that being said he missed okay it is what it is he missed on Trubisky the issue is is he hasn't done hardly anything to rectify that he's taken multiple swings and none of those have landed. And now he's put himself in a position in this organization in the position where he's going to go out and do something rash this off season. And again, it's not where they, it's not like in 2018 where they had the resources to make it happen with Khalil Mack. They don't have those same resources. They don't have the amount of cap space. They don't have the same, you know, the draft capital in terms of it, you know, being higher picks. It's not an attractive of a destination there's just so many different things. And again, there's so many other holes and it's not to sound negative because who knows, Ryan Pace could pull this out and we could be looking at a team that's, you know, 11 or 12 wins next year. And we're like, okay, you know, the window's back on, but there's so much work that needs to be done. And there's just no real clear path on how the bears are going to do it. And again, if you want to go to the draft, which in all reality is probably the smarter bet at this point, because in my opinion, their windows essentially closed at this point. And they're going to have to retool. I wouldn't say rebuild, but I would definitely say they're going to have to retool over these next few years, get rid of some of these bad contracts, get rid of some of these other guys, older guys and bring in more talent. But at the same time, they can't afford in a situation like this where they're tied in the way that they are with their salary cap and how much money they already have committed on some of these other guys. They cannot afford to take, you know, to wait, to wait through all of March, all of these trade options, all the free agent options. We haven't even talked about Dak Prescott. I mean, he's another guy. I don't know. I mean, there's been very minimal talk on Prescott as in terms of are the, you know, the Cowboys have a high pick. I mean, maybe the Cowboys decide that they want to draft somebody. I mean, that's, that's another X factor. There's a lot of teams right now that are X factors. And obviously if Prescott gets free, I think Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Prescott, but if Prescott gets free and he's a free agent, you do everything in your damn power to make sure that you get him because he's a top 10 quarterback. He changes your entire franchise and you don't have to give up draft capital. So all of a sudden you spend some money. Okay. Maybe you can't afford some of these other guys. Maybe you got to kick the can down the road a little bit more, but at the same time, now you have those draft picks to be able to go out and, and fill uh, offensive tackle, to fill receiver, to fill tight end, whatever you need to do, you have those draft picks now and in the future to be able to do that. Again, another factor and maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I mean, we have, we have no clue what Dak Prescott's uh, status is at this point, but again, as we stand here, uh, you know, what, what is this? The 26th of January. I mean, we're a little over two or a little under two weeks out from the Super Bowl going into the off season. There's no clear path forward for the bears right now. It's, it's great that Jay Glazer said all this stuff that they're going to, you know, be aggressive and all that stuff. That's great. But at the same, at the same time, there's no clear path moving forward because there's so many moving pieces. And again, the bears do not have the resources to be that attractive or that guaranteed destination for any of these top targets. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I completely agree. And the bears are in a worse shape, I think, than they were last year. And just it's it's because they couldn't hit on the quarterback because they didn't do their homework in 2017 and they've just made 
moves down the line that have just backfired on them have not worked. Aaron, we do have some breaking news, though, if you want to hear it. Uh, I think I know what it is, but go ahead and go yeah. ahead and put it out there. I mean, he might not be the Bears quarterback for long, but Mitch Trubisky's engaged. Hey, congratulations, Congrats. To him, man. Yes, that, that's awesome. I, yes, yeah, I, I, I like it. I think we both feel the same way. I mean, dude, you're you're a North Carolina fan, like well, he's such we, a he's a good dude. Yeah, he's... I hope the best for him. I hope he turns his career around. I just don't think it's going to happen to Chicago, and I don't want to see it again. I agree. He is a very good dude, and and you know, it, it's not. Because you see this a lot when he won the um, oh man, I'm blanking on the award that the Bears give out. Um, oh, I thought you're gonna, I thought you're gonna do the the Nickelodeon award that. Oh got. no, no, God no, <laughs> um, no. When he won the, uh, I am totally blanking on the award, but it's it's pretty much for the player or staff member that you know does their job in the media the most and and fulfills their media duty and helps makes our jobs a lot easier. Um, and he won that award this year uh, for the Bears. You know, people make jokes, oh, if only he could play quarterback. You know, you have to give the guy – he got benched, and he still fulfilled all of his media duties in the weeks after that he came back and the day he got benched. And he's always been a stand-up guy. I mean, the guy, he's never really made excuses. He's just – he's been super nice, and he's helped us do all of our jobs great. And I'm happy for him. I wish him the best of luck in the future, whether that's with another team or the slight chance with the Bears. I hope he does well in the future because it's, it's, I don't generally don't like rooting against people because of their play. I just, you know, I hope he does very well. And with that, Aaron, let's hit our second break. And we'll be right back to kind of uh, talk about some other coaching news. And welcome back in here to the Bear Report podcast. Um, you know, Aaron, since the last time we talked, the Bears have hired a defensive coordinator and they went with Sean Desai, the safeties coach. Um, they kept it in house, Jay Rogers. Uh, is leaving gone to the Los Angeles Chargers to join Brandon Staley's staff. And it was pretty much in-house between state between um, Rogers and Desai. You know, looking at this, an outside candidate really didn't make much sense because, you know, you're looking at a lame duck type situation when you have Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, you know, kind of uncertain about their future with the franchise. And I, I just didn't really see many outsiders taking this job. So it did make sense for it to keep, stay in house. And with the side, you know, I actually think this is a good move for him because look at it this way. If the bears stink next year and the defense is, is, is good and better, because to be honest, I think the defense has a better chance of turning around than the offense does. If the defense is good and the bears still stink, Desai is still going to get a job somewhere else. And he's going to have that experience at least one year as a defensive coordinator. Now, if the Bears do turn around and everything goes well and Nagy and Pace stay and the defense as well, he's still got that job. I, I think he's going to have a job no matter what happens, but it's just a good scenario for him to get his feet wet. And what I like about this is, you know, doing a little digging and, and kind of looking at his past. He's a very smart guy, just very smart. He was essentially Vic Fangio's right-hand man. And, you know, ever since Chuck Pagano's taken over, what have we heard from everyone? The Bears need to get back to what Vic Fangio wanted to do, what Vic Fangio did in 2018, his type of style of defense. Well, you might have your wish. It's not going to be Vic Fangio, but it's going to be a guy that learned directly under him, a guy that studied under Vic Fangio for four years here in Chicago. And I think we're going to see a defense, maybe not production-wise what 2018 was. That's going to be really hard to replicate, but more of of the type of style that Vic Fangio played. 
Well, I think, you know, the, the one thing to kind of keep in mind here, and I, and I know some people are under, you know, underwhelmed by this, this, you know, this move, you know, if you look over the last few years within the NFL and you see some of the best defenses and how they've gotten their coordinators, a lot of them have been in-house promotions. I mean, you, you look at Baltimore with Wink Martindale. I mean, he was somebody who, who was promoted from within after Dean Pease left. Um, you know, the same thing with uh, Brandon Staley, uh, you know, and there's a lot of these guys, are, you know, maybe sometimes they're not promoted with, within, but there are lower level guys that are finally getting their shot. And really, the, the, you know, the, the bigger point here is this. The Bears are in a weird situation. I mean, we've, we've talked about that time in and time out. Uh, the, the Bears are not the most attractive destination out there. And that's not a slam on them because here's the reality. There's a ton of teams right now that are looking, they have brand new coaching staffs. They have brand new GMs that are looking for coordinators or looking for coaches as a whole. And, you know, you, you got basically brand new regimes that come in for the most part, most guys don't get fired up for one year. So you're guaranteed at least two, usually at least three years uh, when you're, when you come in on a new staff versus the bear situation where, I mean, we, we don't really need to talk about it anymore. We know that, you know, we know that this isn't a, exactly a lame duck year because I think both guys uh, you know, I think Ryan Pace is basically on the same you know, he's on the same contract status of having two years left as Matt Nagy, you know, next year with the Lane Beck situation, but they're in a position where basically, unless they win and really turn things around, they're probably gone. We, we know that, you know, that that's not a very attractive situation, but again, the other thing to kind of keep in mind here is when we kind of started seeing things play out, Aaron Glenn made a lot of sense. Obviously he ended up signing, um, you know, in Detroit and to become their defensive coordinator. Uh, there were multiple different guys that could have made sense. Um, you know, James Betcher was another one. He's been out of the league for a year, kind of a Chuck Pagano type situation where, you know, he, he stepped away for a little bit and, you know, tried to get his bearings back, you know, after basically being fired in New York. Um, you know, and now he's, I think he ended up taking a job. I can't remember who, who did he end up going to? He, he went to somebody. I can't remember. I think it was San Francisco. Yeah, it was San Francisco. Yep. That's where Betcher went. But it, when you, when you look at, you know, the, this, this move, I, I think, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, they let Brandon Staley walk and see what he did. You know, they could have had Brandon Staley when Vic Fangio left and yet they, they hired Chuck Pagano, you know, they need to hire from within, you know, and a lot of people's eyes were on Jay Rogers and rightfully so I'm not discounting Jay Rogers at all, but I think the one thing to kind of keep in mind here in terms of internal hires is this, when you look at the, the more successful defensive coordinators out there and defensive minded head coaches, a lot of them were secondary coaches first, obviously Chuck Pagano was the same way. And you know, that, that's just to kind of keep in mind, but a lot of these guys that have the better defenses in the league have a secondary background and that's what you're going to get with this hire. And, you know, obviously Jay Rogers ended up taking, you know, a job elsewhere and he's not even a defensive coordinator. It is what it is. Um, but at least, you know, w with the hire and the promotion that the bears made, I think they're, I, I think they're basically going the same, you know, trying to go, you know, a similar route to, you know, with Staley and with some of these other guys and promoting from within and taking the best guy for the job at that moment, that makes the most sense. And, you know, Sam Acho has been a really, really big supporter of this move. Even before it happened, he said that this guy is Vic Fangio 2.0. He was Vic Fangio's, you know, right-hand man. He was this, he was that he's going to run the same exact scheme as Vic Fangio. He's a really smart guy. He was actually doing a lot more behind the scenes that people don't know about. Like this is the next up and coming guy. Well, now we get to see it, you know, obviously, like we talked about, I mean, we all knew Trick Bogano was going to be gone, you know, his retirement. And hey, I, I wish him the best. He sounds like a, 
sounds like a great dude. Um, you know, he was a really good defensive mind. I just kind of think that, you know, the time had kind of passed and he's going to go off in retirement. I think we all knew that he was going to be kind of the scapegoated guy here. Um, you know, moving into next year, regardless of what the Bears do at quarterback, uh, their defense needs to be better. I think we can both agree on that. I think we can all agree on that. The Bears defense has to be better, especially for the amount of money that they have sunk in on, a, on this defense defensive side of the ball. I mean, they just have to be better. So, I mean, I hope, I really hope this hire works out. And like he pointed out, worst case, if it doesn't, then all of a sudden you got a situation where I think that he's going to be able to at least latch on with another team. It sounds like he's very well liked within the building. There's a lot of, uh, you know, coaching, coaching trees, um, in, in which Vic Fangio has kind of been a part of, uh, you know, and other guys have gone on and done other things since they've been in Chicago. I don't think they'll have any issue getting a job if this thing does get blown up and things don't go the way uh, that they're supposed to. But I think the, the upside here outweighs any risk because there's really minimal risk. I mean, again, like we pointed out, this could be uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's last year. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. If, if that happens uh, and let's just say everything goes well with the defense, maybe you pull a Vic Fangio situation and you try to keep him on or, you know, worst case, if it doesn't work out, then he can go be a position coach somewhere else. I just don't think that there's much loss to be had here. And I think, again, the bigger thing to kind of keep in mind with, um, some of these hires that are going to happen and some of these moves that are going to happen, the bears aren't going to be high on the totem pole. There is a, a crazy amount of openings right now. And that's not even a slam on the bears. It's just the, the situation that the bears are in versus, you know, being able to start new and going, you know, being able to kind of pick your destination with the, you know, the, the best options available with some of these, these other teams that have these openings. So I think the bears made the right move. Um, you know, I, again, I think Rogers would have made sense, but I also think hiring a, you know, a guy that has, uh, more focus in the secondary and especially with Vic Fangio's background and, you know, kind of his influence, I think that could, that could definitely pay off a lot for the bears and they still have a lot of talent on the defense side of the ball. I think they just need the right coach to be able to come in and get them back on track. And especially with guys like Eddie Jackson, I mean, maybe having somebody like a Vic Fangio come back in, maybe that's where he's going to turn back into that all pro safety that he was. Yeah, I hope you're right. I could also see the defense rebounding, like I said, but more than I can see the offense taking um, that next step just because of the questions that they have, you know, on the offensive side of the football. And it, it does make sense because, you know, you're, you're nearly bringing in an outside guy wasn't going to be as realistic due to the, the coaching situation with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And Desai has familiarity with this off or with his defense. I'm sorry. So I mentioned he's worked under Vic Fangio and, you know, he's been with his team, you know, Eddie Jackson's had a couple of good years under him. You know, he's also coached Deion Bush. He's coached Deshaun Gibson had a good year. Um, so yeah, Desai, it looks like he's a good fit for this job. We'll see though, because his defense really has to turn it around. If they don't, the Bears could be in trouble. With Desai now going to defensive corner and a couple guys leaving, um, today Ted Monacino left as outside linebackers coach. He's joining the Falcons. Um, earlier in, uh, last week, I believe it was, Dave Ragone and Charles London both bolted to join Arthur Smith's staff in Atlanta. Um, Jay Rogers left. The Bears have some coaching vacancies to fill, and the interesting one was running back position where it kind of was leaked out by Adam Johns that – the Bears were interested in Deuce Staley. A day later, Staley said he wanted out of his contract in Philadelphia. And it turns out it didn't take Staley long to find a home, but it's not in Chicago. He picked the Lions, and he's going he's gonna to join Campbell's staff in Detroit. Essentially, um, you know, Jeff Risen, who we've had on this podcast before, he said 
he pretty much chose between he chose alliance over the bears and you know that could be a negative thing i also could see it where he didn't want to be in a lame duck type year um with matt nagy and ryan pace but let me ask you this i guess do you think that is a negative on this franchise that missed out on Deuce Staley because he chose the Lions over the Bears? Or do you think it was more of a, he didn't want to get into a lame duck situation and did not know, you know, what Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's future was going to be here? And what's the use of taking the job for one year if you know if this doesn't work out, you're going to be gone anyway? Well, I, I, I definitely, so here's the thing. I, I think the Bears are in a bad spot. I, I really do. I think the Bears are in a bad spot. I think they made the wrong decision by keeping, you know, keeping Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. With that being said, I think that this, this and even like Aaron Glenn was a direct reflection on the stability or the lack of stability that the Bears provide versus a team like the Lions. And hey, let's give the Lions some credit here, man. I mean, like, you know, people are probably laughing a little bit, but it's like, dude, the Lions have actually put together quite a good coaching staff. I'm not a huge Dan Campbell fan. I think the whole, you know, the hoorah and biting people's kneecaps off and all that crap is going to get really old really quick if they're not winning games. With that being said, I think they've put together a very, very, very good coaching staff. And yeah, it's kind of a shot in the nuts a little bit. I mean, if you really think about it, like it's the Lions are, you know, basically poaching potential coaching uh, hires from the Bears. But at the same time, again, and this is one of the main reasons why I'm so I was so against just going status quo this coming offseason and this coming year is because, you know, it, it's one of those things where, okay, is Deuce Staley going to make the Bears a Super Bowl contender by being a coach? No. Is, is Aaron Glenn going to turn the defense around and all of a sudden the defense is going to be the 85 Bears and the Bears are going to have enough defense to overcome a terrible offense and be able to make it to the Super Bowl? No. What it, what it does show, though, is it shows that if the Bears, even, even with all the different things that happened, even with everything that happened with all these other teams firing, you know, head, you know their head coaches and having to go out, there's still a lot of good candidates out there. And I feel like the Bears could have capitalized this year in firing and just basically cutting, cutting bait, starting over. And they could have, I mean, there's still good GM candidates out there too. And again, I get these guys will be here next year, but there was a lot of good assistance out there that if the Bears would have just hit the reset button, I think that the Bears could have put together a very good coaching staff and been more conducive to what they need. But again, I, I think when you look at Staley and even Glenn to you know, a lesser extent, I think that these moves are just simply you know, job security based at this point. You know, I, I think most people in the right mind, especially, I mean, really one of the only things the Lions had going for them um, was the fact that they had a good quarterback in Matt Stafford and Stafford's gone. Even if they draft a quarterback, they're much more of an unknown. Their roster has a lot of uh, wannabe Patriots on, you know, wannabe Patriot like um, looks on it right now. I think, you know, they don't have a lot of cap space. They're not a very attractive organization to be a part of right now. But what I will say is, after you know all the different turnovers and the different stuff that they've had uh, within that organization there is a lot more stability there with the lions right now than there is the bears and i think that's really what it comes down to even, even with guys like deuce staley um and, and aaron glenn i think that's just it's more of a stability factor in the fact that the bears are a giant unknown moving into the soft season and that's not a position you want to be in at, at all. And especially two years removed from that 2018 season. I know they made the playoffs this year, but it's just not a position you want to be in. It's very telling of where this franchise is right now. But, you know, the NFL is one of those weird leagues where anything could change in a year. And and I, you know, my hope is that it does change. The Bears get on that right track. But I don't know, man, I'm not very hopeful going into this offseason. Um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. 
Perfect. You can follow Bear Report on Twitter at Bear Report. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Uh, also follow Picks for Pace on Twitter and Andrew Freeman. He's down at the Senior Bowl right now covering it for us and getting our early draft stuff going. So make sure to check out for that stuff. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Until then, everyone stay safe. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.